At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's a numbers game with your host, Gil Alexander. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Good morning and welcome in. It is a numbers game here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel filling in for Gil this week, and uh, that'll be it. Only four more shows, including this one. And then Gil will be back next week from a vacation that some believe maybe he doesn't deserve. I'm not one of those. For the first time since I have filled in, I will say, a well-deserved vacation for Gil Alexander. How about that? Uh, but we have a lot to get to today. A lot of smart minds on the program. Coming up in about five minutes, Adam Stanko, Rejecting the Screen Pod, is going to be with us as we discuss a lot of hoops in the first hour, right? Drew Dinsick's going to be with us for the last half hour, but we're working quite a bit of French Open as that is underway. We have a few matches that will begin while we are on the air as well. So we'll get Drew involved there, see what he thinks, and then, of course, talk a little hoops with him. Second hour, loaded again with great content. Jason Weingarten's going to be with us. Uh, hey, the Mets got some reinforcements last night in Pete Alonso. All of a sudden, and just like that, back in the lineup and providing offense for Jacob DeGrom. we got a big win. Dwayne Colucci, the Rampart Casino, racing sportsbook manager to talk a little hockey. And then my bid to take over the production job for the Nuts continues as Amal Shah will join us, VSIN host and uh, better extraordinaire. Well, but I wanted to start with a little bit about the NBA last night because, you know, I thought this was pretty interesting. I used the term when discussing this Utah-Memphis game yesterday. Uh, actually, this works perfectly right? as a numbers game. Uh, when you looked at what happens when it comes to the offense for both of these teams, right, Utah and Memphis, the Grizzlies, for the most part, are kind of behind the eight ball with the way they operate their offense, right? Against a team like Utah, not in general, just against a team like the Jazz. In the regular season, the Utah Jazz made five and a half more three-point attempts per game than the Memphis Grizzlies. So at some point, you got to make up that deficit. And you saw the issues that the Memphis Grizzlies had doing so in the two games prior to last night, right? In games two and in games three of the series, 
the Utah Jazz made a combined 17 more three-point attempts than the Memphis Grizzlies. And thus, you got two double-digit wins. This one was very competitive. And a cover. And two covers, I should put it that way, for the Utah Jazz. And again last night, the Jazz, the market for some reason, doesn't want to adjust off of the number and the power rating for Utah. And I get it. Memphis is a respected club. Very good. Very young. Right? Really plucky plucky franchise that in the next few years is going to be very solid, right? But in this matchup, again, going back to the phrase, it is a numbers game. When you are generating most of your offense within four feet of the basket, within short mid-range, which is like four to 14 feet, that floater area of the floor, which the Memphis Grizzlies love to operate in from an offensive standpoint, you have to make that up by either limiting this team from an offensive standpoint from beyond the arc or doing something from beyond the arc yourself. And they haven't been able to do that through this series in the last three games, right? And, you know, Donovan Mitchell comes back, coincides with the shooting, fixing itself. I think that's more of a coincidence than anything else. Mitchell is very good. Got to the free throw a bunch, uh, free throw line a bunch. But look at yesterday, right? It is great that the Memphis Grizzlies can go 22 or 27 within four feet of the basket. 10 to 25 from short mid-range. But... When you're going to allow a team to go 17 of 34 from beyond the arc, you know, you can't make up that difference, especially when you make seven fewer threes. And so ultimately, it's a very competitive game in which the cover comes down to the wire. But those edges in terms of three-point makes are going to more often than not give you an advantage in terms of covering some of these numbers. And you see it again yesterday as Memphis is unable to cover a five and a half. And again, as we kind of look at, you know, these series, right, we see these adjustments. Philadelphia yesterday was around a nine-point favorite against the Washington Wizards because of the way those games were going. Brooklyn, a nine-point, or excuse me, a twelve-point favorite in their closeout game against the Boston Celtics. Right? You you see the power rating adjust due to the results, and yet for some reason this series, the odds makers in the betting market just felt like it wasn't really worth adjusting this number. When in reality, there's problem. I mean, there should be just given the edge that the Utah, excuse me, the Utah Jazz have in terms of their shot making, in terms of the way they play offense. So I, I thought it was pretty fascinating, but of course, we should note that the story of last night is going to be the status of one Joel Embiid as the Philadelphia 76ers fall in a potential closeout game to the Washington Wizards. 122-114, to 114, Wizards get the outright win. Joel Embiid in the first quarter goes down. It was absolutely ridiculous. I think it was 8.6 rebounds in the first quarter, uh, but... Now the Wizards have a little bit of life, and we don't know what the status is of Embiid going forward and whether or not he's going to miss extended time. Uh, But I will say this. We did see a version of Philadelphia in the regular season without Joel Embiid. Really quality defensive team, as we kind of know about this team at this point right now, but a team that struggles to generate a lot of offense. And you saw at times in this game against Washington what that team is going to look like. And the Wizards, up against a team with Joel Embiid, where they have no real presence to handle Embiid on the offensive or defensive end of the floor, right? They have no real way to kind of crack within four feet of the basket with Embiid on the floor. Now that he's not there, this becomes a much different series for Washington. Again, if it's an extended absence here for Joel Embiid, we don't know what's going to happen. Again, he's going to have the uh, have the uh, MRI after exiting the game, and we'll see what the results are going to be going forward. Uh, but this is a, obviously a massive injury for the Philadelphia 76ers. All right, it's a numbers game here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel, VSIN.com, the VSIN app, Fubo, Sling, Game Plus, iHeartRadio, and of course, vcin.com slash subscribe. You want to find out on anything that we have tomorrow, Points Red Weekly comes out. Let's welcome in our next guest, who's nice enough to give us some time here today, Adam Stanko, host of Rejecting the Screen Pod. You can find that wherever you get your podcast. Adam, thank you very much for the time today. Uh, so let's, I kind of wanted to start with that big news of the day yesterday in the association. Uh, Joel Embiid no longer on the floor after the first quarter. The game goes kind of how you expect, right? The Washington Wizards kind of fight their way back in. Looked a little bit more like that team that closed the season 17-7 and seven over the last 24 games. Right. So, you know, I 
I, I want to see what the price is going to be. We don't know what is going to happen. But let's say Joel Embiid is out for the rest of the season or for the rest of the series. Washington, I think, is pretty live to win this series if that's going to be the case. Uh, it's a, it's a tough task, but you're absolutely right. They definitely have an opportunity here. I mean, a much different Sixers team, as you point out. And and to me, the big issue with the Sixers all year, and of course, you're wondering about Embiid's health. That's always a question mark for this team. But also, how are they going to handle close games? That's that's the other big one for me. And so whether it's Ben Simmons's free throw shooting or who's the person who's going to take the shot in the clutch, that to me has been the question with this this Sixers team. But now, as you point out, without Embiid, that dominant advantage they had, it was just a wrap again for them against against the Wizards. And and you think about just how dominant they looked in this series. It didn't look like the Wizards even had a thought to that they would come back. And the and the other big issue for me is that you watch that game. There was fight in that Washington team. It wasn't just a question about the victory. It's the idea that when a team is down 3-0, you never think about them as having that much fight. But when you have guys like Westbrook and Beal who have that much pride, uh, I think it just mattered a ton to them. And, and um, you know, when they're battling Tyrese Maxey, certainly they feel like they can win this series. Yep, and, you know, you mentioned little things, right? you got to win on the margins in a lot of these playoff games. Ben Simmons in the free throw shooting, splitting free throws left and right down the stretch. It's a tie game at 247. Those missed free throws make a massive difference. I don't know if you caught this. Can we throw this up, Jason? Because this was my favorite quote coming out of the games yesterday. Uh, Doc Rivers on the missed free throws of Ben Simmons. Quote, analytically, if you split all those free throws, you'll take a point per possession. He did that, and I had no issues with it. Uh, I feel like I feel like Adam uh, Doc's got to brush up a little bit on the analytics and a point per possession. And I don't know if you really want a point per possession because it's not really the greatest rate. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I think. And and the funny thing is, I think Doc knows better. I, I think he's just looking for any excuse he can to get by that that Simmons question. And he's got a problem on his hands. And yep. and this is sort of the thing he needs to make sure that Ben Simmons's confidence is is sky high. And and it's one thing we we've seen it with with these players late in games. Obviously you have the rule in the last couple of minutes about intentionally fouling, but but when you talk about these players who struggle at the free throw line, we usually think about big men. When it's your lead ball handler and you don't have Joel Embiid, I mean it's a problem because there's nothing you can do. You can't bench Ben Simmons late in games. And so how do you sort of avoid that situation? And you also want to make sure that he's still attacking the rim because that's when he's most dangerous, not just to score himself, but obviously to set up teammates. So his confidence has to be up. I still think that Sixers team has enough weapons. They should be able to win, obviously, one game uh, coming down the stretch in this series. But obviously, I'm terrified if I'm a Sixers fan about the playoffs moving forward without Embiid. Right. Well, and in the next series matchup, too, right? Like, I thought with Embiid on the floor, a team like Atlanta, who has a 3-1 series lead, so we're comfortable kind of projecting that a little bit. Uh, a team like Atlanta, I thought, was going to get slaughtered by Philadelphia. But now that Embiid's not out there, all of a sudden that becomes a matchup that is a little bit easier for a team like the Atlanta Fal- or excuse me, Atlanta Hawks. I have Julio Jones on the brain. Absolutely. And and here's the thing, too, also with the Sixers, is it, as it pertains to Embiid, we think about it from an offensive standpoint, but to me, what makes the Sixers so dangerous as an NBA contender here is the idea that defensively they can just be awesome. Uh, ben Simmons, obviously on the perimeter can cover so much ground at his size, just a wonderful defender guarding multiple positions. Um, you know, when uh, Matisse Thibel is in the game, he's a generational defensive talent. And then you've got Embiid in the post we, we who covers up, you know, other mistakes on, on the perimeter. So you're talking about a team and that's just the, the three headed monster. Never mind the other defenders that are on the roster. I just think this team in terms of their length, 
their size, their ability to defend, how well they work together on the defensive end. That, to me, is what makes the Sixers so good. So we always think about Embiid dominating the paint, and and rightfully so, because he will just take over series, because guy just can't stop him when Embiid decides that he's going to take over. So that's a given. But defensively is where they're also just so susceptible. And you you think about going up against the Hawks and all the offensive weapons that they have, that's going to be the key too. And and you think about, you know, Ben Simmons guarding a Trey Young and, and he can actually make up some of that length at times. So Trey doesn't have that same Steph Curry advantage of shooting from 25, 26 feet out. Uh, that's where, again, the Sixers have a great opportunity. But if you don't have Embiid there guarding the post, um, that changes the series entirely. You're absolutely right. Yep. All right, so let's talk about a couple other things from last night. First off, uh, Utah and Memphis, and then we'll move on to some of the bigger games we'll see later today and some of the analysis. Am I too, am I too simplistic? Am I looking at this series and go, it's just a numbers issue for Memphis, right? If you're not going to be able to shoot as well as Utah, and if you're a team that relies on that mid-range area of the floor, you can have success against the Jazz, but at the end of the day, you're trading threes for twos, and now we have a series in which the Jazz have won and cover three consecutive games, and some of those margins have looked impressive, but they've actually been competitive games. The Memphis Grizzlies have been a lot of fun, but at the end of the day, if you're not going to be able to even match what's happening from beyond the arc, you're going to be up against it, and it's going to be hard to cover some of these numbers. I'm, I'm with you. I think it's pretty, pretty a spot-on analysis, and, and I think Dennis Lindsay's probably also laughing at uh, the way that Doc Rivers looks at analytics, too, because that's how the Jazz handle things, and you shoot 17 to 34, as, as you point out, all of a sudden it's going to adjust the Jazz know they have a great advantage in terms of shooting the three. And now with Donovan Mitchell back, he wasn't even the main guy really doing the damage last night from beyond the arc. But he also initiates that offense and 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 causes so much attention to be drawn to him. And now you have guys like Clarkson and then Conley's hitting shots, uh, Bogdanovich, and now it's, it's, it's lights out. And you're absolutely right. I mean, so you're getting an advantage in the post there in terms of their scoring and whether it's, you know, Valanchunas or whether it's Dylan Brooks drives or even John Morant getting into the paint, it doesn't matter because now the Jazz are hitting threes. And the other factor, too, is Rudy Gobert is contributing offensively. We talk about Embiid's defensive contributions. We think about Gobert as a a defensive standout, but think about what he's doing now offensively. Uh, He going above his regular season averages in terms of scoring, huge lift for the Jazz. And he knows that, too. There's an advantage there. And it's also a and a, a mental advantage, too, that the team psychologically knows that if Rudy Gobert's scoring against some of those bigs, that's also going to make a difference because now they're beating you in the paint. They're also hitting threes. I just don't see any way in which the Grizzlies, a young team, great, bright future, but mm-hmm. I don't see there's any chance that that they actually win game five. Yep, and we'll see if the uh, the market adjusts at all in terms of the power rating on this because this has been a pretty static power rating throughout the series uh, despite the three now consecutive wins and covers for the Utah Jazz. All right, story of the day and I think the game of the night. We see how Phoenix operates here against the Los Angeles Lakers. Anthony Davis, a big question mark. Uh, of course, the report yesterday from Sham Sharanya that uh, heavily in doubt is Anthony Davis' status for today. Groin issue, too, and that's going to be tough to come back from pretty quickly. So my thought is, as you look at this, statistically, if you look at some of the numbers, and it looks like KCP is going to be back on the four potentially, LeBron by himself actually isn't that bad with this Lakers team. They've outscored opponents by like 7.1 points every 100 possessions. It's those non-LeBron minutes, Adam, that are going to be a really big story here. And so I thought from a betting perspective to kind of sit back, let those two starting units duke it out, have it be a little bit of a tighter game, maybe get something cheap on the Suns. But that's what I'm looking at is LeBron, his minutes distribution tonight, if Anthony Davis is not going to be out there, and what those non-LeBron minutes look like, because I think could get pretty ugly here against Phoenix. I absolutely agree with you. And I'll, and I'll tell you, the, the interesting part about this series was Chris Paul on the floor 
the Suns are a better team right now than than the Lakers are. And I think that's even the case with Anthony Davis. And I know that's easy to say now without without Davis on the floor and what we're what we're just seeing uh, from the previous game. But I still believe that's the case. And Chris Paul is such a calming influence. Meanwhile, when he's not on the floor, even when Cameron Payne is is disrupting things from the perimeter, uh, the the Suns just almost look lost. It's it's really difficult when you don't have all that much playoff experience. But you see the difference with with the Suns. So I'm absolutely with you on your point, though, is that now all of a sudden LeBron can settle things and initiates the offense when he's out on the floor. And you think about all the other weapons now. The Lakers seem loaded when LeBron's there, even without Anthony Davis. But now LeBron goes off the floor, and it sort of looks like the same situation as the Suns, where now all of a sudden. Where's the offense coming from? They look kind of lost. It doesn't look like the same team that that really had that confidence last year uh, in the bubble. And I just I think that this this Suns team right now, especially an advantage in the post, DeAndre Ayton feels so much more confident, even when Andre Drummond's playing, when Anthony Davis isn't on the floor. It's that extra shot blocker that's around. It's just an extra disruptor. And the other big thing with if you watch with DeAndre Ayton, and he does, he's involved a lot in what the Suns like to do offensively. We think about Booker and Chris Paul, um, guys like Cameron Payne and even Mikael Bridges, but really DeAndre Ayton is is such an important piece for them because they need him for some easy buckets, especially as they do switches on pick and rolls. They use Ayton as an advantageous guy when he goes up against perimeter players in the post, but he's got really bad hands. And when you have Anthony Davis there, who's going to be a guy that's going to be knocking the ball away or, or coming over as a secondary defender. Like that's where Aiden starts to get extra nervous without him on the floor. That's where I think Aiden really starts to shine. And I think it's very dangerous position right now for the Lakers. And I think the Suns, I think Suns cover tonight actually. Well, and we're talking too. I mean, look, maybe you lose this game. AD comes back, but you're talking about winning two consecutive games now to keep your season alive. And one of those is going to be a game seven in Phoenix, an environment that I would think would be pretty raucous. Cause I, I don't remember when the last time the Phoenix Suns had a very big playoff game, you know, game seven at home. It's been a while. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? Exactly. Exactly. We haven't seen them in the playoffs yeah. in, in a while. So I, I think that it's, you're absolutely right on, on all these points. And uh, you know, the other part is, I think to me, the big question mark about tonight's game is, can Phoenix win while limiting Chris Paul's minutes? Mm-hmm. Because it, ultimately, his health, the, the final two games of this series, is really what's going to determine, as I mentioned, whether the Suns can win this thing. So if if they can get out to a big lead and really try to limit minutes, and what an interesting position for Monty Williams, to think about having to rest your star player in such a critical game that's going to determine the series, I'm really fascinated to see. You think about NBA coaches and the decision-making they have, this is one of those where we're going to look back on and say, man, I can't believe how Monty Williams managed that for better or for worse. Well, and uh, let's be realistic, too. I mean, they're in the driver's seat for this series. And if that's the case, you would think they're in the driver's seat for at least a Western Conference Finals berth because you're going to get the winner of Portland and Denver. Both teams pretty flawed if you look at the way that they're constructed right. Backcourt's really thin for Denver. Very poor defense for Portland. Like, this is a wide-open path for whoever wins this series to get to a Western Conference Finals at the very least. Yes, and the way you think about Phoenix was, oh, man, I can't believe this. They walk into the playoffs on a roll, and yet they end up with the Lakers. And now, meanwhile, the Lakers end up with their seed is what you sort of looked at it as. Well, if the Suns win this series, now we have to start taking the Suns seriously again, as they've been asking us to do all season long. Yep. All right, let's move on. A couple of other things to get to. We got some good games tonight. Let's talk about that series end and these two teams. Very tightly contested series between Portland and Denver. Uh, each team has their advantages, right? Denver in the front court, Portland in the back court. Uh, the Nuggets have feasted on the non-use of Nurkic minutes, right? Portland really falls off a cliff defensively when those minutes are out there. 
So let me ask you this. We've seen four games, but we've also seen like two lopsided, comfortable wins for both teams. So how do you work this in? Because now the market still doesn't really respect Denver, right? They're favored today, minus one and a half, but the Portland Trailblazers are favored in the series, despite two of the next three being in Denver. So what's your read as we've seen four games in this series up to this point? It's, it's it's strange because I sort of look at it the same way that I, I don't know what to make of these teams yet. I don't know that either one has really found their footing in this series. Obviously, it looks like coming off the momentum that, that the Blazers have in their in their previous win is that, okay, the Blazers now are in total command. But still, the same question marks you always have about the Blazers, and as you point out, dominance on the on the perimeter. But what is it that they're going to do, especially against Joker when he gets, when he gets rolling? And meanwhile, with the Nuggets, their playoff and experience is really starting to show. I mean, we think about, I love Compazzo, but still only a 30-year-old guy. They're really missing Jamal Murray, obviously, in this in this series. And and if if Jokic isn't isn't his dominant self, and even if he is, uh, the Blazers are still getting opportunities every game. I just, I really like the Blazers' playoff experience. And it's a weird thing to say because of all their question marks. Um, but still, I, you, you go down, I mean, when, it, when you're depending on Austin Rivers for your contributions and, and Michael Porter Jr., who... Obviously a tremendous talent, but still we don't know what we're getting from him game to game. It, it, I sort of look at this Nuggets team saying, where is the other offense coming from? Who's going to provide it? And I'm not saying they don't have those weapons. It's just that I don't know that there's anyone there that's shown that they're there consistently. So for me, I'm about the Blazers right now just because of the previous experience. And now you're talking about games in which it's a little tighter. So this was reported the other day. You know, Michael Malone was talking about this. Michael, don't want to call him Mike. Um, yes. But that Will Barton, we know he's not going to play here. But it sounds like there is a potential game six or game seven that this kid could be out there. So how much is Will Barton swing things for you if he's out there for, let's say, game six? Yeah, I mean, I think Will Barton's extremely important because they need depth there because ultimately for Michael Malone, as, as you correctly uh, point out, what it really comes down to is that he's got to find guys that are working right now. It's weird because you sit there and think all year long, you know, as you as you're well aware, Jonathan, that your rotation, you get into the playoffs, you finally figure out who are the guys you want to play without Murray. It almost seems like it's sort of a lost cause here for for the Nuggets. What's working? What's not trying to plug and play guys? And Jokic makes everybody look good. But at times, if those guys aren't contributing, it's now gonna it's now gonna be a question of Will Barton. And you talk about some explosiveness. You talk about a calming influence. Will Barton is a guy that, again, you think you could add to, and now maybe all of a sudden you get him and Porter Jr. going, and now maybe all of a sudden now the Nuggets look like the old Nuggets again. Adam, before we get you out of here, rejecting the screen podcast, let us know where you can find it and what's going on. Uh, well, check me out on, t- on Twitter at Naismith Lives, and uh, you can find the podcast anywhere that podcasts are available. So, uh, yeah, we've been taking a brief hiatus, but um, yeah, check it out. And uh, Jonathan, awesome to see you on air. It's been fun talking to you guys. Uh, thank you very much, man. Appreciate it. Always good to talk to you, too. Adam Stanko again at Naismith Lives uh, up on Twitter. Fantastic conversation. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. Yep. Man, we got a, we got a good first hour. Great to get started with Adam. And then coming up in the last 30 minutes, more Hoops conversation with Drew Dinsick. We'll also get analysis on the French Open as we are underway, of course. And we have matches later today. So we're going to get Drew's thoughts as we have a few early morning ones, for us at least, to discuss that will be underway as the show progresses. On the other side, this was a very, very pro-Rays show yesterday. A lot of people we talked to thought the Tampa Bay Rays were in a pretty good spot to continue this winning streak. Well, they did. So let's discuss a little bit more what happened. Rich Hill continues, despite uh, some shaky numbers that we threw out there in that start. Rich Hill continues to deliver. Jamison Tyon did not. And it sets up for a pretty good matchup later today between Tyler Glasnow and Domingo Herman. And this is a numbers game here on v
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. and baseball games every week. It's time to get into BetMGM Sports Nevada's premier sports betting app. BetMGM has all of your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today. Stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology, fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Got to be 21 or older, physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem, 1-800-522-4700. I actually just made a bet this morning on my BetMGM app. The futures wager... The Tampa Bay Rays to win the AL East, plus 275. This Rays team is pretty good, man, as we can we can kind of tell when you win 16 out of 17 games. But again, last night, they get it done. Tampa Bay 3, New York 1 as the Yankees fall, lose their fourth consecutive game. And, of course, that offense continuing to slump here a little bit. You get outscored by the Tigers over the weekend, 15-5. to 5. You only play it one against Rich Hill and the Tampa Bay Rays. And, look, work, the Hill had to work through some tough stuff, right? New York had seven balls in play. Exit velocities over 100 miles an hour. But... 
Only gave up three hits, a pair of walks, five scoreless innings, 56 pitches. And the Rays, with this victory, complete the winningest month in franchise history. They go 22-6 and six in the month of May. An absolutely dominant performance from the Rays this month. And the offense, again, just to put it in perspective, yesterday Tampa Bay puts their leadoff guy aboard every inning, third through six. Three of them come around to score. Austin Meadows with a solo shot now continues to churn out offense. 20 of 59 in his past 15 games, 13 extra base hits, 20 RBI. It was a really solid performance for the Tampa Bay Rays. And look, I brought this up too, right? I think part of the reason why we saw the market move in favor of New York is you see the odds right there via BetMGM for the AL East and the number that I was talking about where you can find the Tampa Bay Rays still but if you look at it from the perspective of like why the market was kind of heavy on the Ray or excuse me the Yankees right because remember this opened a pick in some spots closed minus 130 you know we, we mentioned yesterday on the show some underlying numbers that kind of show that Jamison Tyon pitching a little bit better than his numbers indicate and then maybe there's some positive pitching in his future yesterday wasn't great wasn't terrible but five innings pitched five hits and three walks three earned runs gave up a home run as well struck out five you can definitely do better than what Tyon put out there so still waiting for that performance to kind of break through when you look at some of his numbers, but I think that's why you saw some move here in, the, in favor of New York was the fact that Tyon had some underlying numbers that indicated that he'd pitch a little bit better. But Rich Hill's been solid, man. It's been a really good story. And now we look today in game two of this series, and you get Ty Glasnow on the hill versus Domingo Herman. Herman's been really solid for the New York Yankees this year, but Tampa Bay opens up. Minus 126 in a lot of spots, but the market continues to move in the direction uh, of the New York Yankees. We're talking about... Mm, as low as minus 114, and that's over at Circa right now on Ty Glasnow and the Tampa Bay Rays. Total 7.5 uh, shaded to the over when it initially opened at about minus 115. Now we're talking about 7.5 shaded to the over at minus 120. Some spots at 8 popping up on the board at this point right now. Those numbers that you're looking at on the screen, courtesy of the South Point. So we'll see what Jason Weingarten believes and thinks about this game going forward. It's interesting, though, that the Yankees, in terms of from the market's perspective, have maybe been a little undervalued and the market continues to move in their direction in this series against the Tampa Bay Rays. And we'll talk about the longevity of the Rays too, because I'm really fascinated that the club that has this ceiling offensively as the pitching that they do uh, continues to be in the pecking order, the second choice in that division behind the New York Yankees at that price, not even so much the second choice, but at plus 275, if you feel like the um, straddle between those two should be just a little bit tighter. Uh, we also had a couple of other pitching matchups, but I wanted to discuss one thing that was pretty nuts from last night. So the New York Mets, the Mets who continue, by the way, to deliver despite all of the shortcomings with their lineup, mainly it's all injury. Well, last night, they finally get some reinforcements. Pete Alonso hits the lineup, was absolutely fantastic, drives in the first runs, hits a home run as well. New York Mets get a 6-2 to win over the Arizona Diamondbacks. Game goes over the total by that half run. But the you get Alonso back, which is absolutely fantastic for a lineup that had been ailing. And then you get Jacob deGrom putting up the performance that he did. And over a short outing as well. But Jacob deGrom last night from ESPN Stats and Info, 27 pitches of at least 100 miles an hour. The third most by any pitcher in an outing since 2008. Had a fantastic strikeout on a 101.4 mile an hour fast post. Absolutely ridiculous. But you see this. He also lowered his season ERA to 0.71. The lowest by any qualified pitcher through the end of May since Chris Short, as we all remember, finally in 1964. So DeGrom has been unreal. I think we know this at this point right now, how great he has been. Now Alonso's back in the lineup, so maybe this Mets lineup starts to you know, get a little bit more pop. And despite all of that, too, by the way, again, still on top of that division. So the future looks pretty bright for the team that right now is about a $1.45 favorite to win that thing. And this is from Buster only to add to the greatness of DeGrom up to this point. Jacob DeGrom has struck out 46% of the batters he has faced this year, 82 out of 179. 
That is absolutely ridiculous. I get it, three true outcomes, and guys are striking out more, but nearly 50% of the batters that you're facing, that you're fanning them. That is absolutely nuts. That's from Buster Only over at ESPN. All right, we'll get back to baseball. When we come back, Drew Dinsick's going to be with us. We had the big news right the other day that Naomi Osaka was going to pull out. Well, we had another uh, player early today on the women's side decide to give him, you know, to leave, mainly because of an injury this time around. So we'll see what the women's bracket looks like at this point right now. The chaos that maybe could ensue on that side. What do you think of the French Open? And don't worry, we've got a lot of hoops to get to with Drew as well. any part of our show or anything on the VEASAN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of all of our shows, including Follow the Money, Numbers Game, My Guys in the Desert, and Lombardi Line with VEASAN Best Bets. Download Beating the Book with Gil Alexander, Market Insights with Josh Applebaum, Long Shots Gone Racing, Ron Fighter Racing Pod, all free and available now at VEASAN.com slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's welcome in Drew Densick, who is nice enough to give us some more time this week as well. A lot to get to. French Open matches underway. Uh, but, Drew, we have a lot of news coming down. So we know the story behind Naomi Osaka, of course, who withdraws from the French Open. Uh, this comes down just a few minutes ago as well. We'll call it 30. Uh, Petra Kvito, uh, Kvitova, if I'm going to announce that, I butcher that, uh, but has pulled out with an ankle injury, it seems like. So what does this women's bracket look like now? Because, you know, this seems like there's some chaos and, and some potential for some names that were not recognizable before. Yeah. Uh, you know, number two seed, Naomi Osaka, obviously not the strongest clay player. And um, that whole saga has been very strange. Mm -hmm. uh, I get it. She doesn't want to do the media because every time she goes in front of the French open media, it's a, the questions are always the same. Why aren't you better on clay? And she's tired of answering that question. Uh, I get it. Like the grind of, you know, the tour when you're playing on a surface, it's not your comfort zone is tough. Um, and the fact that they, you know, that they didn't, you know, I guess just acknowledge or at least, uh, you know, accept her reasoning for not wanting to do press. Instead, they come at her with a fine and threaten to, uh, you know, to not, you know, to take, throw her off out of the tournament was a surprise. Uh, and so her response then to withdraw, I think is, I mean, it was a reasonable, uh, reasonable response, but it is, it has been very strange. Now, I don't think she really had much of a chance at a title shot here. The odds uh, you know, the, the odds never really made sense when I looked at uh, the odds board here, futures odds board, at least for Naomi. So, um, you know, the fact that she's, you know, that she has re removed herself instead of what would have likely been a third round, um, you know, got, she would have gotten the, her, you know, the, she would have gotten summarily dismissed in the mm -hmm. third round against Paula Badosa out of Spain. Uh, and I think she's just avoids a little bit of embarrassment, doesn't have to answer as many questions and can move on to prepare for grass season. And that's fine. Petra Kvitova, another surprise. I mean, she's a very, very, um, seasoned veteran on tour. She's won grand slams before, although it's been a while. Uh, and Clay's not her best surface, but she's a tough out no matter what. And now with her out, that's now two major names, you know, you know, past slam winners that are no longer in the bottom half of this bracket. And it was already a tilted bracket. The top players were all in the top half. Uh, and now the bottom is wide open. Uh, I have a little arena Sabalenka to make the finals out of the bottom half. Her path is all of a sudden 
absolutely wide open. Um, we saw Serena play last night. She looked a little shaky. Uh, I don't know if that was a confidence building win for her, you know, winning in straight sets under the lights, first ever night match ever, you know, in, in Roland Garros, which was pretty cool to see. Um, but uh, I don't know that she's long for this tournament. Similarly, um, you know, you saw Ash Barty, who is the number one seed play today. She looks like she's picked up another injury. She's already walking wounded out there. She's taped up from head to toe. Uh, now looks like she either has a back or a neck injury to go along with whatever's going on with her thigh and her, uh, you know, hip and hip and groin. Uh, so it's, it's, a uh, it's looking more and more likely that everyone is just going to get out of, uh, Iga Sriantec's way here. Uh, and for any of, you know, for the loyal listeners of the, uh, you know, of a numbers game, uh, Iga Sriantec is kind of the, um, you know, she's the hero around, around here. So if everyone wants to get out of her way, uh, and give her a second straight French open title, I think, uh, I think those of us in the uh, in the numbers game family were are just fine with that. Well, the numbers game family does have a request. Uh, Robert on Twitter did want me to a- ask Drew about Hugo Gaston's match in 14 minutes. Thanks. We have anything on Hugo Gaston? He's going to be up in like two minutes here. I don't. I don't have a read really on that one at all. Yeah. I think. I think really the first round matches. There's not a lot of value left on today's card. Um, I, Hugo Gaston is going up against another French player in um, uh, Richard Gasquet uh, or Dick Dick Gasket. Uh, if you're going to go with the American pronunciation there, um, and. Gasquet was an amazing player back in like the 2000s. Uh, the fact that he's kind of still on tour and playing some of the poorest tennis we've seen from him in a while, I think it's fair if you want to take on, uh, take him on. Uh, you know, he shouldn't be uh, a meaningful favorite here. He's a slight favorite, it looks like, but um, the market is pretty sharp there. Gaston really hasn't done much to write home about in his career. He's, you know, he he has a lot to prove, um, and yeah, I think. He can get the win, but uh, this was an easy stay away just because, you know, Gasquet is so much more uh, experienced when you have this degree of difference from an experience standpoint and it's a best of five. It's tough to really get on board with uh, uh, with the underdog. But uh, tomorrow there's a handful of matches that I think are worth uh, getting on, getting an early number on now. A couple of underdogs that I think have a realistic shot. Uh, to pull off the outright upset, uh, starting with uh, Nicholas Bajalasvili, uh, Georgian player, Georgia the country, not Georgia the state. Uh, he's a, a pretty decent size money line dog, uh, plus 190. Um, and uh, I think realistically should be that that should be a coin flip match. Bajalasvili, uh, he's got the kind of the. Um, He's got the experience. He's got the know-how to navigate best of five tennis. He can, you know, he can. Mon- he he's much more capable, in my opinion, at least of uh, of kind of metting out his effort level in a way that he can get this done in five. Uh, and I think at a at a money line price of plus one ninety, I could not pass that up. Uh, similarly, I think Kekmanovic should be uh, the favorite against Laszlo Giri. Uh, Giri, a very true clay court specialist, but extremely weak on serve. Uh, I think uh, Kekmanovic should be able to break you know, relatively easily in this one. He may even get this done uh, 3-0, 3-1. Uh, so I'll probably get even a little bit more aggressive beyond just Kekmanovic on the money line, play some of the exotic markets there. Um, and then probably the match of the day tomorrow, at least from an entertainment standpoint, is Keeney Shikori versus Karen Hatchinoff of Russia. Um, that one looks like a best of five. Yeah, that one looks like it will go five sets if I had to project. Uh, very, very thin margin between these two players, and I played the uh, over 38 games there at minus 105. No, I like it. All right. Hey, before we got like 30 seconds left before we transition over to the NBA, but really quickly, uh, when you look at like some of these big money line favorites that you mentioned, there's not much in terms of value in these first rounds. Like, how do you attack these? Like, as a novice, I'm looking over some of these first round matches. I'm like, wow, these are some really big prices on some of them. <laughs> 
yeah. I mean, the beauty is there's uh you know, there's 64 matches on the men's yeah. and the women's side. So you can kind of pick and choose pretty carefully. I usually play about seven or eight plays uh, on day one, day two. Uh, and I very rarely get involved in these big money line favorites, uh, you know, and we've seen some chaos. I yeah. mean, right now, a uh, huge money line favorite and Andre Rublev is on the ropes. Uh, I had very high hopes for him making some noise in this tournament and he may be out in round one. Um, I, and I would say, um, the, uh, uh, Dominic team losing to Pablo, you know, Andrew as a huge favorite was a shocker. So, you know, it's not unheard of that, uh, some of these massive prices come in, in these early rounds of this tournament. Yep, Drew Dinsick with us at Whale underscore Capper up on Twitter. All right, he's going to come back on the other side, uh, transition over to the NBA as we have now a tied series and a completely different series between the Clippers and the Mavericks. We talked about sustainability of that shooting. Well, it finally fell off in game four, so what does this look like now that it is best two or three over at Staples for the Clippers? We'll have that and much more with Drew on the other side. It's a numbers game here on VSIP. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
$1 wager on the Lakers or Suns into $100 if either team hits a three with BetMGM. Just use the bonus code VSIN100 when you sign up for the King of Sportsbooks. Get ready for showtime. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com for more details. Make sure you use promo code VSIN100. New customer offer, paid and free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Got to be 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C. or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, Virginia, and Washington, D.C. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, Tennessee, or call or text the red line. 800-889-9789. Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. His name is Drew Dinsick. He has given us uh, 30 minutes today of his very, very valuable time. NBA NFL handicapper, NBC Sports Bet, host of the Deep Dive Pod as well. All right, Drew, well... A weekend makes a big difference, and the two L.A. teams looked like they were heading in opposite directions. The Suns were on the verge of defeat, it seemed. Lakers had won two straight. The Clippers were about to get ousted and maybe even swept by the Mavericks, and yet here we are. Uh, Both are in a 2-2 series, but much different momentum for both sides. Let's start with the Clippers here first. Look, I think one of the things that I've been kind of consistent about when you watch this series, you and I have talked about this, the Clippers from an offensive standpoint have been pretty pretty steady, right? Offensive ratings of around 120, three-point shooting caught up after game one. Those were kind of replicable stats. When you looked at the Mavericks, the shooting was going to fall off eventually. Tim Hardaway Jr. finally stopped hitting bombs from three-point range in game three, and the shooting overall fell off in game four. So now we're back to even with two of three played in Los Angeles. So what's your read on this series now as we move forward uh, between these two clubs? Because I think, you know, I thought this is a series that the Clippers could win in five games. Clearly wrong about that. But over these last two games, like this is the series that I kind of envisioned uh, when between these two teams before it started. Yeah, we agree on that. And the Clippers have been very, very difficult for me to get a read on really or really figure out <laughs> at all. And the first two games of this series didn't help in any way, shape or form. We saw some defensive lapses in terms of communication and just basic, just basic stuff that you would not expect from a team that was expected to go to, you know, a Western conference finals, maybe even an NBA finals. Uh, and the fact that they've sorted some of that out, I think is pretty positive. You can definitely take that as sort of a, a sign that things are starting to get right uh, in LA. Now, in the same sense, you mentioned it, the key, at least in, that has swung the momentum in this series so far has been shooting. And that's been a little bit, you know, uh, of a random uh, variable here. And, you know, are the Mavericks going to, you know, show up in LA and all of a sudden be the same team that we saw in games one and two and not miss from three? In that case, I don't see the Clippers necessarily being able to win. Uh, at, but at the same time, you know, Luka Doncic very clearly got, uh, you know, something happened to his level of performance between game three, game four. He picked up some kind of injury. I know he's talked about it. He's been relatively positive. If you kind of do the, you know, sort of read between the lines and what he's saying, um, you know, acted like, yeah, okay. I was banged up at the end of game three. I was playing hurt in game four, but I started feeling better towards the end of the game. I'm going to be fine for the rest of the series. I, that seems a little, you know, to glossing over the fact that this is a grind that he's going to have to have the ball in his hands for the majority of the meaningful minutes of this game, if they're going to win. And I think ultimately, if we see the Clippers come through here in six, which, you know, the market seems to, you know, believe is the case uh, it's going to be on the back, you know, on the basis of the fact that Luca just isn't the same physically as what we saw in games one and game two. Um, Now at the same time, you know, the, the Mavericks, you know, as, as the, as the, um, you know, the series gets deeper and deeper, you know, more and more uh, of the outcomes tend to fall on. Well, who is your closing five? 
and I'm not even sure the Clippers know yet right. who their best closing five is. Uh, I don't know that you can have Beverly out there in the closing five. They, you know, they obviously learned some hard lessons about having anyone small on the floor uh, against Luca. Uh, late in games in game one and game two. Um, he obviously was kind of doing a lot of, um, you know, hunting out the smallest guy on the floor uh, and just running it right down his throat. And, you know, so, so, you know, to that degree, they've pivoted away from going any, you know, any, have any, having any true small players on the floor, but they also have no bigs. Uh, you know, they have no, no one, no one to protect the rim, no shot blocking at all. And, you know, they, so they almost are, at their best in terms of a closing five against this Mavericks team by playing kind of all of the, the, all of the same size guy across right. the entire floor. Uh, and it's a, it's a strange lineup. It doesn't ever feel comfortable. Uh, and I, as mentioned, because they haven't really figured out who their closing five is, the communication is still a little bit broken down. So I don't think it's safe to lay a price on the Clippers at minus 400 right now. I think if you went to the wall and you got them at two to one or better after they were down zero and two, you obviously made a great bet. Um, but this Clippers team still has a lot to figure out to get to their final four. And, you know, with the West looking pretty much wide open at this point, uh, you know, I think you have to wonder if the Clippers are ever going to figure it out uh, and, you know, be the team that, um, you know, that was expected, you know, as they, you know, because they navigated into this matchup. People forget, like they were clearly in the three seed, maybe the two seed, and they worked their way down to four by throwing games at the end of the season because they wanted this Mavericks team. They wanted the Jazz in the second round. Uh, and I think they may end up ruining that, ruining that decision, especially uh, the way that the Jazz are playing right now. Yep. Fascinating series, man. All right, let's go to the other L.A. team then. So we have this, Anthony Davis, highly questionable to play today. We'll see if we're going to get him on the floor. You know, my thought for this game before, you know, like pre-flop-wise, don't know if I want to get involved. I want to wait for those non-LeBron minutes and maybe in-game get something a little bit cheaper on the Phoenix Suns. But if that's if Anthony Davis doesn't play. So what's your read here now in this series overall on a game like this if we don't get A.D. on the floor but we do get KCP? It seems it is crazy that uh, three days ago, the yep. Lakers were all of a sudden, you know, they, they were practically uh, odds on favorite to win the Western Conference. And now they are <laughs> dogs to win the series, which is insane. Um, but I, I get it. I mean, Anthony Davis is that important. And, uh, you know, you have a stars and scrubs unit with the Lakers. There's really no more polite way to put it. Like you have Anthony Davis and LeBron James, two of the best players in the game. You know, I, you know clear, uh, you know, clear first team all NBA kind of guys talent wise. Uh, although, you know, Anthony Davis can't stay healthy, made a glass. And I thought the injury looked somewhat serious. So I would be surprised if we see him in game five. Um, obviously, they're saying questionable. I would I read that as doubtful. Like I, I would say I'm 90 10. He is not playing um, market at my son's minus five kind of in reinforces my thinking in that. Um, and I would actually say he's probably 50 50 for game six. So if the Lakers are in an elimination mode uh, and he's 50 50 and they, you know, they, they kind of put him out there and, you know, and, and he is anything less than a hundred percent, then they're in trouble because they, they are at their best when he is playing the five and he is being physical. We saw in, you know, game one that they lost. I thought a lot of that, you you could have hung on the fact that Anthony Davis didn't look like he wanted to play the five. He didn't look like he wanted to get, physical or get to the free throw line. And, you know, he wanted to take his outside shot. It wasn't falling. And the Lakers really had no other offense to speak of beyond that. And, you know, LeBron, I know can do a lot and it's impossible to truly doubt this guy just because of what he's done throughout his career. Um, and I agree with your take that laying five pre-flop on the Suns is asking, you know, that's, 
that's a big number. <laughs> that's a big number for these two teams, which I think you still have questions about Chris Paul's health. Uh, and, you know, yeah, he played better in game four and you would expect that the injury wasn't so severe that he wouldn't continue to improve as the series has gone on, but they've only had one day off between games. And, you know, there there's the sun's medical staff is, is known for doing pretty amazing things, but they're not like, they're not magicians here. So, you know, the, the likelihood that Chris Paul can give you 40 at some point as you come down the stretch here, I have questions about that. Um, and so, you know, ultimately this is LeBron against, you know, the other guys on the suns in games <laughs> five, six, and seven. Uh, and I would give LeBron the ever so slightest edge to still come out of this one. If I had to make a play at all in the series, the rest of the way, I'd probably just take Lakers at plus 145 tonight. Cross my fingers that you get a, a, a positive variance game from like KCP from a shooting standpoint. We we haven't seen him really light it up from three yet. He was obviously very important defensively. They missed him big time uh, in the defensive minutes that they got uh, in the early games and game four without him on the floor. You, you noticed that they were able to, the Suns at least were able to run a lot more smooth offense. Um, and yeah, I think it's this, the margins are very tight in this one. If you've been playing along and just taking the best possible, you know, the, the plus money at every stage, you're in pretty good shape right now. Um, but uh, I do, I do think it's, um, this is a war. This is probably going seven. Yep. You're probably going to see some limited form of AD in game six. And then a game seven, it's it's just going to be all chips on the table. And, uh, you know, 40 minutes of Chris Paul limping around and Anthony Davis limping around and LeBron James, you know, limping around. So it's, it's going to be wild. And uh, I don't know. I, I It's still in the back of my head. I feel like everything that's happening in the Western Conference is just opening the door wide open for the Portland Trailblazers if they can get, uh, you know, some consistent play out of their their closing five who I think is the best in the West. All right, well, let's talk about that then because, you know, before the season started, I did have a future in Portland. I thought they were set up very well. I thought Robert Covington was a really good roster for them and uh, roster addition, and I really liked it. Got off to a relatively poor start. The defensive numbers without Nurkic are really bad, and the Nuggets have really taken advantage of those minutes. So what's the read here? Denver a two-point favorite with a total of 226. Yeah, the read is uh, bet the Blazers on the money line. Yeah. Uh, and then whenever Enos Cantor and Carmelo Anthony are on the floor, change the channel. Um, and then, you know, turn it back on when they come off the floor. Cause you can't, I can't, I can't watch it. I can't. <laughs> the defense is so bad. Uh, you just can't minutes hurt so much. Carmelo Anthony just cannot you know, give you much at all on the defensive end of things. And uh, you were just holding on for dear life in those moments, especially if, uh, if Nurkic, if, uh, if uh, Jokic is on the floor um, on the flip side, though, if this is anywhere close in the fourth quarter, and this comes down to the Blazers closing five versus the Nuggets closing five, I have a huge difference in quality between those two units. Uh, really the, the, um, the CJ Dame um, Powell, uh, Covington and Nurkic closing five, assuming Nurkic has three or four fouls, not five. Right, I was saying not if, fouling you know, out. Right. Yeah, if 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 Nurkic if Nurkic has five fouls early in the fourth quarter, probably game over Nuggets. Um, but you know, it's 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 still it's so it's a very close um, you know matchup overall, considering the the disparity between the the different units. But uh, we just I just need the the Blazers kind of within shooting distance in this fourth quarter, uh, and I think they can pull out the win. And realistically, I like them to win the West at the current price too. I like it. All right, deep dive pod again. Andy the Whale, Drew Dinsick, uh, Whale underscore Capper up on Twitter. Also NBC Sports Bet. Drew, it's always good to talk to you, man. Thank you very much. 
All right, best luck. Yep, you got it. Again, Bet the Edge Pod 2 presented by Points Bet with Drew. All right, we'll come back. Second hour, change things up a little bit. Amal Shah is going to be with us at the top of the hour. A lot of hockey coverage over the next 60 minutes. Don't go anywhere. We don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash with Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.